Man, the All-Star break is finally over. Kenny Smith thinks Sabrina versus Steph could have been more interesting. And LeBron James, or did LeBron James ruin the dunk contest for everyone? I'm Rosa Panza. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo. I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling okay. I know Sammy's feeling better. But I'm glad to be back. What's up, my boys? I miss you all. What up, though? She knows she loves Jay because... What's up, Jay? And of course, John! How you living, my friend? I'm good. Sammy, wipe that smirk off your face. I'm not a 49ers <laughs> fan, but I feel it for my brothers over here. Hey, it's always John. pleasure to see you guys. Let's talk some basketball. I'm Detective John. Let's talk some basketball, indeed. And to the spoils goes... Or the, to the spoils... <laughs> What, what am I trying to say? Anyway, Sammy, how you living, my friend? just want to say I have nothing but love and respect for everyone on this podcast, and I am fine, <laughs> and I will leave it at that. Let's talk some basketball. Oh, boy. Let's talk some NBA basketball, my friends. Our first topic we have to talk about is J.J. Reddick calls out his former head coach, Doc Rivers, who will be replacing on ESPN slash ABC's NBA finals coverage and he had this to say he said i've seen the trend for years the trend is always making excuses doc we get it taking over a team in the middle of a season is hard it's always an excuse it's always throwing your team under the bus there's never accountability with that guy and of course he's talking about doc rivers taking over the milwaukee bucks who have not been doing great as of late since he has taken over what do you guys think of J.J. Reddick's assessment of Doc Rivers? That is correct. <laughs> I think that might have said it all. Um, <laughs> Doc's so interesting when it comes to the media. Like he, from obviously the experience of having him coach the Clippers, I remember him handling the worst possible situation, which was the whole Sterling fiasco in an amazing way. He handled the media, mm. the players as ready to play as possible. And he basically was steering the ship. He was everything on that team and got them out of it. I, I always respect him for handling that because I can't imagine players getting ready to play in the middle of all that. But then the other side of this is Reddick is right. He We've seen a lot of times where they blow these leads, like the legend of Doc, the top 15 Hall of Fame coach, is wide-ranging, at least on this pod, and he constantly has a reason for why things don't go his way. So... I get it. Uh, I found it interesting how quickly Patrick Beverly came to his defense, but we can get into that later. But that that was my initial read. Like, I definitely think this has some some merit, and it's interesting that Reddick so fiery about it, having played for him. So that was my initial thought on it. What did you guys think? Tell us how you really feel, Sammy. We know that you think Doc Rivers is a top fifteen head coach of all the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, top six. <laughs> Doc Rivers, man. I, I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but there must be some perception or the way that the 2008 finals went down with the Boston Celtics beat my Los Angeles Lakers. That must be like the greatest championship in the eyes of all of these owners in the NBA because for some reason, Doc Rivers continues to get hired over and over and over again and yet he only has one championship i don't know what it is maybe he's just charismatic maybe he's 
there's something about it though that, that I, I'm always puzzled, right? Like, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but look at his track record. And, you know, like he doesn't excel in the playoffs. He doesn't excel when it matters. And what is he? The most three one blown three one leads, right? Sammy? JJ? Yeah, so yep. he has blown three three one leads, John. He has four blown three two leads. One where he was up 2-0. And he has lost game seven four times at home. Yeah, like... and I, Okay, so I don't have any any evidence of this. But to me, that when you continue to make... I don't want to say the same mistake. When you do the same thing over and over and over again, to me, it's... I feel like there's a lack of accountability there, right? That maybe he's too stubborn to change his ways and he's continuing to do the same thing over and over again, whether that's the approach to the players, whether that's the X and X's and O's. But to me, I think I think JJ Redick is spot on here. I think he he was a former player under Doc Rivers, so he has a lot of credibility there. And like he makes ex- just that interview, right? When he said, What did he say? He said, Oh, you know, just coming into coming halfway into the season is always challenging. Yeah, I mean, like that goes without saying. We get it. But JJ Redick made a great point that players get traded midseason. They have to deal with it. I mean, like that's yeah. not an excuse, right? You just you still have to kind of steer the ship in the right direction. You're going to get the the flack, the criticism, whether you whether you you know lose in the midseason or you lose at the beginning of the season, or it just that just comes with the territory. So I don't. I'm with JJ Redick 100. percent I don't know, JJ. What do you think? Yeah. Uh... The proof is in the pudding, as they would say. When you have a win rate of 33% when you're up in the majority of those series, that's terrible. And the one thing that screams out to me, gentlemen, is that he's not making in-game adjustments, which is what playoff basketball is all about. The fact that he has a job today, I think is just based on the equity of that one championship, like you said, John. But... And this is the huge like contingent. I strongly believe that he won that championship because of the Celtics defense against your Lakers. And who was the assistant coach? Who was the the quote unquote defensive coach for the Celtics? Tommy, Tommy. I play my guys fifty five minutes a game, Thibodeau. Yes. <laughs> and Thibs has proven not he didn't have to win a championship, but we've seen him propel teams from mediocre like mediocre to almost title contention like his Bulls team and he got pretty far with some pretty you know wishy-washy Knicks teams who shouldn't even have been in the playoffs in the first place so I'm just gonna say that but I have to agree with Doc Rivers Jin or sorry whoa what am I saying I have to agree with uh, (laughs) JJ Reddick Reddick. oh my goodness (laughs) I mean, no, 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 no. You, I think you, the truth comes from the truth came out. You've been drinking, you've been drinking a little bit. I think the truth finally came out. Clip that sound bite, clip that sound bite, RJ. Let's keep it and use uh, it as a sound sound piece. Anyway, I have a a good sound bite for myself. Here you go. You got to be a stupid (laughs) mother. So. Pat Bev kind of clapped back at JJ's Reddick's take. He said, this man, Doc, actually saved your career, started you when no one else wanted to, and you retire, go on TV, and say that. Reddick then responds to Pat Bev and says, Pat, my guy, I had a four-year offer with a player option 
for the same money to be a starter for a different team. F-O-H, you can figure out what that means. Saved my career in quotations. Who is my daddy? So, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this comment here. I think Pat Bev, in my opinion, is a little delusional about the value of JJ Redick at that time because he was still a valuable shooter. If anything, he could have been at least a six man. I don't know if his career was like on the way out when he made it to that team. What do you guys think? No, that's... Patrick Beverly's career was more saved by Doc Rivers than JJ Redick was. Let's let's just say yeah. that. And I'm someone who watched both of those guys play game after game. I'm just pulling up Redick's stuff now. The year before he went there to the Clippers, he was with Orlando, and he averaged 15 a game. And then he got traded to Milwaukee same year. He was still doing his thing, shooting 39-40% from three. With the Clippers, he averaged 15-16 a year. He left there, went to Philly before Doc got there, was averaging 17-18. He was doing fine. There's always a place for three-point shooters in the league, especially ones who could hit at a 40% clip. So that statement's pretty ridiculous. But Patrick Beverly's also pretty ridiculous, so it kind of lines up. Um, is this the set? Yeah. Is this the same? Is this the same Pat Bev that was crying with the Timberwolves when they made the playoffs and acted like he won the championship? Won the playing championship. Yeah, same that's Pat. Yep. And the the same Pat Bev that actually ran on the court with an SLR camera to point out that the <laughs> that Jason Tatum fouled LeBron James. So that we're, Pat we're... Bev. <laughs> yes, that Pat Bev. There goes so, the credibility. We we've talked a lot of smack about Doc Rivers as well, but. It's still early, right? It's still small sample size. How many games do you give Doc Rivers to right the, sh the ship potentially? How many are you games guys? Are you guys have already quit on him? How many games? <laughs> well, I'm I done. Think we, he's, we, he's, I played, think he's played like nine games. I think he's coached nine, he's, about nine games. Nine? Okay. First or second round exit for the Bucks. Okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. He figures out the regular season. He always does. If you look at his coaching record, they're they're going to end up figuring it out in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And they'll finish as a two or three seed, most likely. It's what, it's what he does. He has regular season success. I think that's part of the reason he does keep getting jobs. He doesn't miss the playoffs. like, And he keeps teams relevant in the regular season, which owners care about. Then he's going to lose in the second round. That's exactly what's going to happen. He'll. I think they'll get out of the first round because the bottom of the East is pretty weak. And they're probably going to run into... Atlanta or like Orlando who I actually like but I think is a year away but I think they'll get out of the round one and then they're going to run into Cleveland or a healthy Philly or someone like that and they're not going to make it out of round two so and they can't go off of him now because they're paying three head coaches that's the other thing yeah. you have to keep in mind here they're paying him they're paying Griffin and they're still paying Bud for one or two years I think Ooh. so so they're stuck yeah they're definitely stuck. Uh, with with me, it's like they got better defensively, right? So like mm -hmm. they're like in the within the last nine games, they're like ninth or tenth defensively when they were like sixteenth or seventeenth. But now I just think they're gonna lose in a different way, right? Like with Adrian Griffin, they're gonna lose because of their defense, and now with Doc Rivers, it's because he's not gonna be able to make adjustments, and they're gonna lose offensively. Right. So it's just kind of a crappy situation. I'm going to move us on to the next topic here. We have to talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend. We saw Steph versus Sabrina. First of all, I want to ask you guys, what did you guys think of this three-point competition? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you think? Most exciting part of the All-Star Weekend. 
new event. I agree. And I thought it was super, super sick from a ego, like egoless standpoint for both athletes to compete against each other because I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, gentlemen, but you know how like we've also like these all-star superstar athletes, they refuse to go into the slam dunk contest because they're going to embarrass themselves. I think uh, John always mentioned that with the pod that we did last year with the slam dunk contest, like why LeBron does, wouldn't join because he's too egotistical. I thought it was super cool that Steph and Sabrina said, let's do it. We'll do it for charity. We'll put a, put on a show um, as a father to, uh, to a daughter. I thought it's super cool moment for girls to see that. Agreed. 100%. She held her own, man. And yeah. I think, you know, she just she just lost steam on the last two racks. But she was, I was like, oh man, she's on her way to give Steph some, some problems. But you're dealing with the greatest shooter of all time. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, anything. Like, he's going to come out on top. He's just the greatest of all time. But big shout out to Sabrina Ionescu, man. She was, she could shoot the hell out of that ball. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I thought it was the best event. And I was reading rumors that next year they could do a four-person event, like a mixed event, and involve Dame and Caitlin Clark. And I was excited for it. I thought that would be the funnest event of the weekend by far, uh, which speaks to how well she did. <laughs> like, she, I remember seeing a stat that Ionescu put up as many points as any of the competitors in the three-point shootout did from the men's line, which Kenny Smith made it a point that she was shooting from farther back than... <laughs> the standard line she was still matching anybody else out there so i thought i thought that was by far the funnest event and the most competitive i'd love to see a four person like that next year if they can get it together yeah she i mean sabrina tied dame lillard's um points right yeah 26 for when uh dame lillard lillard won the three-point contest and you know there was some interesting th things that were said about the steph versus sabrina thing particularly out of kenny smith's mouth he said this he said she should have shot it from the women's line, Smith said during the TNT broadcast, that would have been a fair contest. And then Reggie Miller kind of clapped back and said, why are you putting those boundaries on her? And then Smith doubled down and said she should have shot it from the line. There's a women's tee in golf and there is a men's tee for a reason. And Miller later said, you just water playing with dolls, right? And Smith responded, there's nothing wrong with playing dolls. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with playing with dolls. Okay. Kind of an awkward oh, interaction no. here. But I want you guys to sort of like break you down this interaction here. Like who, like is someone in the wrong here? Okay. So I, I think this is a, a perfect case of not thinking before you speak. Yes. Now, I will start with saying this, that I don't think, based on Kenny Smith's history, on just him being televised, being a broadcaster, watching TNT inside the NBA for so many years, I don't think he's sexist. I'll say that for the record. I don't think he thinks slowly of women versus men. But he clearly did not think through what he said before he said it. Because the way that it's perceived, it comes across as you are thinking women as inferior. But he, so with that said, I know that they had a follow-up interview with Stephen A. Smith. I don't know if you guys saw that, where he kind of clarified his comments and he said, shooting a basketball is muscle memory. So 
it actually is to Steph's benefit that Sabrina was shooting from the um, men's three-point line because she's not used to doing that. So in his argument was that he was actually giving um, praise for Sabrina, saying that she was at a disadvantage, right? And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense because muscle memory, I play, you know, we play basketball recreationally, I get it. Like when you shoot from the same spot so many times, you're going to be used to that. But Kenny, you gotta, if that's the, the case, you should have said it that way on the live broadcast. You should have never said it the way that you said it, right? Like perception is reality. And so people are going to take what he said in a very negative light. Like there's no way, no ifs and ands or buts about it. So that's my take. Um, but again, I think, I don't think it's, I think we can move forward. I don't think Kenny Smith is that, this some type of guy who hates women. Or thinks they're inferior. I don't think that. So oh, sure. that's my I take. Agree. I would love it, to hear you guys. What do you guys think? It was it was it was ignorant, frankly. Um, and let's look at this a different way. Let's say she did shoot from the women's line and she won. What would been of the what would the commentary been all over social media? Great. Yeah, great she point. won. Of course. But it yeah. was from the women's line. We know yeah. that's exactly what would have happened. I have much respect for her for saying let's let's keep it equal and and she. Think about the statement she made by doing that and matching what everyone else put up. That was a mm -hmm. big statement in that way. It was a, like, obviously it could have gone a little awry if she put up 15, that would have been another story, but she matched what everyone but Steph happened to put up. So I, I think this is the way, if you're gonna have this event, this is the way you do it. You set the line Agreed. the same and you go from there. So my take, I'll, I'll go at another angle since you guys covered most of what, you know, what should have been said about this topic, which is why I love TNT is that they have people like Reggie Miller that has pushed back. And remember, Reggie Miller comes from a place uh, where his sister was the most dominant athlete in his family. We scored 100 points right. in a game. And uh, Reggie Miller like respects ballers, whether you're male or female. So I thought that was really cool that he did that. Um, and the <laughs> Kenny Smith, we all know where he's coming from, but it was just like very tone deaf, man. That's yeah. what that's what it's all about. Like wrong timing. Like that's when you should have praised both athletes, mm -hmm. not be like devaluing <laughs> Sabrina's, um, I guess, accomplishment during that time and moment. Which he makes a good point. You know. If, She's an athlete, and within her sport, you have specific rules, guidelines, and uh, specific balls and um, regulations in terms of the line, right? Which brings up maybe um, an issue or something that the WNBA should maybe talk about this summer. Um, this is this is, might be a hot take, but we've heard people talk about what can they do to make the WNBA gain more followers um this was a step for towards it by having steph and sabrina playing the same game but this also brought in uh into the into the light of should one wnba players be playing with the ball that they have and two should, do they need to lower the rim but kenny smith you know don't say those type of things during that time that's my main point <laughs> and and if you're if you're you know actually I mean? yeah yeah and if you're actually sorry june i'll let you i'll let you go in really quickly no, man, just to can... add to that like if you're 
if you're advocating for somebody, you should advocate them in that moment. Don't like wait until you get interviewed after the fact. And it just, it's a bad look, right? Yes. If your true intention was you're advocating for her, then you would have said that on the telecast, defending your position, why you're saying the things that you're saying. So go ahead, Jen. No, I, I mean, I completely agree with all of you. I think um, Kenny Smith just kind of got caught up and like you said, didn't think about what was actually being said. But I'm actually going to move us on to our next topic here. Our next topic is Stephen A. Smith. He says that LeBron James is directly responsible for ruining the slam dunk contest. He said this, LeBron James is directly responsible for ruining the slam dunk contest. LeBron James refusing to participate was the beginning and the spark plug of its demise. Period. There is no one who could, could who can dispute that. So let me talk about this first. This year's slam dunk contest might have been one of the worst all-star events I have ever seen. I have literally ever seen. Like, I laughed so hard when NBA, like their Instagram account, they like slow mode Jalen Brown's, in quotations, no look dunk. They slow-moed it, where they showed him literally looking at the rim, dunking the ball, and then covering his eyes. And the top comment was, never invite him again. Like, in all <laughs> caps. And this is with JaVale McGee being in the dunk contest before, so those are some fighting words, man. Am I wrong here? Is that... Is this not accurate? Was that the worst thing you guys have ever seen? What do you guys think? We could do was, a, a ranking. Was there something worse than that? I, I don't. I mean, you know what's my, funny? My first thought is like that Nate Robinson when he dunked, tried, tried to dunk for 35 That's, times. That, <laughs> this is a good one. That's a but good that, one. I, I honestly think this one was worse. Go ahead, Jay. Or the slam dunk contest where they all went at the same time. That one was a bad oh. one, too. That's awful. Yeah. No, sorry, John. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're um, good. Go. I was just going to say that uh, it's a bad look when we all have to think and we might have another slam dunk contest to compete for the most worst. <laughs> Sammy, what do you think? <laughs> Jalen Brown made history, dude. All-star history. I'm going to go way back on, on this, and I can't remember the year. <laughs> so I'm going into the early 90s now. So there was a year, the first year Harold Miner competed, it was a big deal and he was great in it. It was like 92, I think, when he baby was being Jordan. hyped as Baby Jordan, right? <laughs> he came back in it, it was either two or three years later and he won it again. But I remember at the end of that one, I can't remember which player said it. It was one of the player turned analysts. So obviously Shaq was still playing at this time, I think Park was too. So I can't remember who the guest commentator was, but he made a comment along the lines of man they better fix this thing or it's gonna die like along those lines and <laughs> and that's the one i remember that could compete with this one and it was so forgettable that i i can't yeah. tell you anything except harold minor won it but no one remembers it i think it was it might have been like 95. it was maybe the year before jr Ryder saved it i can't remember for sure um that's the only competitor i could think this one might have been worse though because the only thing that Jalen Brown couldn't see was where he was walking after he already finished the dunk and was back on the ground when he covered his eyes. That's it. 
<laughs> I need to look so up nicknames bad. nicknames for that dunk because it was so bad. But let's talk about what Stephen A. Smith said here. So like I had some hope with seeing Jalen Brown on on the slam dunk like roster. I was like, okay, well there's there's like a, a notable name. There's like a superstar-ish name there. And then he came out and did that. So I think he might have also <laughs> directly like buried the slam dunk contest with his performance. But is Stephen A. Smith right? LeBron James was the one, the one big superstar who always refused it every year and literally killed this. What do you guys think? JJ, I'd love to hear what you think. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go with a uh, hot take here, gentlemen. I'm going to I'm going to split the blame. I'm going to say LeBron and I'm going to say Adam Silver. Mm. Oh. Okay. They're Please the provide one. your your rationale behind. Yeah, why behind why that. Adam Silver? I didn't know that he could dunk. Well, Adam <laughs> Silver's Donuts. the one to make it enticing for the superstars to compete into the competition. Right. So you think if, he needed to make incentive. You have to make it in yeah, there's no incentive. Like what's the that like am I forgetting this guys or did I imagine this? But correct me if I'm wrong, the slam dunk contest I could argue was the most exciting thing during All Star Weekend back in the day. Oh one hundred percent. Yeah. Did yeah. I just like imagine that, or no, was, was that the case? The best. That's why it was always the last event. It was the most hyped event. Exactly, and part of the reason that it was the sickest event, especially when we were growing up, was that you had not only the best dunks, but the people, the 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 athletes that we looked up to were the ones participating in it, and almost every single superstar until LeBron's era. So now here's my next point. Participated. Did McGrady participate in it? Did Kobe participate in it? Yep. Right after Jordan. So that's my take, guys. <laughs> There's blame for everyone to share. <laughs> <laughs> so let's define what what is the baseline of a star participant? What do we consider a star? Is that an all-star? Is that a high-end starter? What is a good enough player to drive the interest? And I'll follow up with it after you guys tell me what you think that is. What drives someone? No, to like do uh, the... who do you consider, if not like an all-star or an MVP candidate, someone like that? What kind of what's the name of a player I could throw out to you that you would say, okay, he makes me more interested in watching the dunk contest rather than if it's like four bench guys that we've never heard of. Like who's the baseline? I'm, I guess is what I I'm think, asking. I think now, like back then, it's like if you're the best player on your team. Okay. Right. That's like in the '90s, right? Early 2000s. Sure. But nowadays, we're lucky to get like the third best player on the I would team. I agree with that. Yeah. So. Right? So I think yeah. that's that's like it's a pretty low bar. Okay, I so think that's where the requirement is. Like, at really least give me, low. yeah, at least give me the third best dude on okay, the freaking Magic. So like, you know in, what I in mean? In terms of like, <laughs> in terms of name recognition, then we're talking about. I'm just gonna throw a hypothetical. Though. I'm trying to think. Like, 
Like, give so me, if we're looking at, give if we're me looking Jonathan Kaminga, and that's okay. not even like a huge. Yeah. Name. So I was gonna say, no? if we're looking at like, um, I don't want to say Denver because Aaron Gordon has a reputation, but yeah, like a Kaminga, or if you're talking about Minnesota, someone with the reputation, not the, not necessarily the dunk skills, but the reputation of like a Gobert or something like that. Like everyone knows who he is. Yes. On that level. Okay. All right. So the reason I asked that is because I'm looking at the dunk contest winners over the last decade. And you tell me which of these contests are going to be memorable to you. So we have Mac McClung the last two years, Obi Toppin in 22, Anthony Simons, Derek Jones Jr., Hamadou Diallo. 2018, you have Donovan Mitchell. I actually don't even remember that contest. Even I don't remember Donovan that Mitchell. one. Len Robinson the third. You know the last contest that was truly great? The exactly. Levine Gordon contest. Yeah. Because you had two guys that people knew that were athletic enough to compete. So I think that's what this comes down to. Like, if you get someone who we barely know, like Mac McClung caught everyone last year because he was dynamic, right? But if these are players that no one remembers outside of winning the dunk contest, you don't remember the dunk contest. Because part of what makes it memorable is the quality of player that's in it, along the lines of what yeah. you guys are saying. So it really brings up a fundamental question here. If you're not going to be able to get two to three quality name branded players every year what do you do going forward is it time to actually consider revising all-star weekend as a whole so that that's why i wanted to ask that question and throw it to you guys to see what you were thinking because jalen brown wasn't enough this year outside of the fact that his performance was embarrassing frankly but he needed a second player that people knew hmm. well i mean like the 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 I agree with you, Sammy, in a sense that like it, it matters the the caliber of the player, but if that player can't dunk in a dunk right, contest, right. like Jalen no, Brown, it, it needs to be both. It needs to be both. Jalen Brown was the name recognition without the actual dunk skill, <laughs> which is a problem like, in the dunk contest. And I so I, to answer yeah to you answer your question, you would think right, Jalen Brown was a complete embarrassment to dunk a dunk contest all around the world, even in middle school. So like to me, Sammy. I, to answer your question, like, I don't think they should scrap the NBA All-Star Weekend at this point. I still think Adam Silver should, you know, empty out the toolbox, trying right. to Right, I'm not revamp. saying scrap, but I'm saying what do they need to change? Let me, I just want to make that clear. That's a great question. I, I don't know. I can't answer that. I, I have some, maybe have some ideas that I have to sleep on, but I don't, I don't know. Um, and that's why I don't get paid the NBA commissioner Adam Silver dollars. But I will, to answer the original question, I do think, like, Stephen A. Smith's comment about LeBron James. And I know Stephen A. Smith speaks in a hyperbole like 99% of the time. But I think there is some truth to this. And look, LeBron is a Laker. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. But to be honest, like how many of the current NBA kids, young players, they grew up watching LeBron James. They look up to LeBron James. So when you see someone like that, mm -hmm. if he were to do the dunk contest like one or two times, whatever, as someone who looks up to him, you would think, in my at least in my eyes, I would want to be, hey, I want to I want to emulate LeBron James. I want to do what he did. I want to win a dunk contest. So I think there is some truth to what Stephen A. Smith is saying. I think LeBron definitely paved the way for guys to be like, you know what, LeBron didn't do the dunk contest. I'm, there's no big deal for me to do it. And so I think there is some validity to that. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, I remember watching Michael Dor Michael Jordan win the slam dunk contest and trying to dunk from my, like, my invisible free throw line. You know? Like, when you hang that basketball hoop on top of your door, I was trying to do the same thing. So I get exactly what you're saying. But with that, we're going to take a short little break. 
with a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of constantly losing your bets on unfair gambling apps? Our sponsor, Parlay Play, has the best lines to increase your chances at winning it big. Not only does that have great lines, it also is an awesome app with a community feel. Use code CLINICALLNBA for a deposit match up to $100 and a free $5 game on the house. They also have a feature called Slide the Line where users can raise or lower a line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now. Download the app indeed. We're going to take this to our next topic here. We're going to talk about how to fix the all-star game. And the first idea here is having the all-star game be USA versus the world. Do you guys think the all-star game would be more watchable if it was that instead? Instead of like the format that it is now. If they played at Serbia, maybe. Oh. Like have have it at a different crowd. At a different crowd. I know Serbia, from what I've seen from videos, it gets super intense. People are like jumping, literally jumping and making the Colosseum shake. It's like a soccer environment in other countries. That would be cool. I don't know if part of being a fan is uh, cheering for a particular region or representation of yourself. So I don't know if USA versus the field or the world in this this point would bring that. But um, I'm not a I'm not 100% on it. But. I'm, I'm curious to see what the other guys have to say. I, I like the idea. I, I, I wonder if it would add or instill an element of pride to mm-hmm. get the players to compete a little harder. I was also just looking at, besides the obvious guys, who would compose an international roster and is there enough talent? The answer is definitively yes. Um, an international squad, you're looking at something like Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Luka, Lori Markinen, Siakam, Porzingis, for example, Bogdanovich, Gobert, Sabonis. Wagner, Sabonis. Um, yeah, so you've got the talent. And I, I do wonder if you put that together, what I think would happen is the international players in year one would blow the American players out of the water because I don't think the American players would take it seriously. And then I would wonder if that would create a more competitive environment going forward. So I also like the idea because I think we need change for the sake of change at this point. We need to almost throw things at the wall and see what sticks and if they can find a a formula. So I'd be for it. Yeah, I think you give it a shot. I mean, as long as Dylan Brooks represents Canada for the world. (laughs) Absolutely. I think think we are... The first ever brawl at the All-Star game. Hey, we'll say what you will about Dylan Brooks, but I feel like he's one of the guys that would actually compete hard in the All-Star game. That's true. Like, he has no business being an All-Star. You would have to lower the bar significantly. Like, All-Star requirements minimum, like, yeah. nine points a game, four rebounds a game. Maybe that's Adam what Silver, <laughs> listen to us. We, we have come to a point where Dylan Brooks will save... The All Star Game. <laughs> Come on, man! It's the All-Star Maybe we game just need like a game full of irrational confidence, guys. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like Dylan Brooks, uh, Pat Bev, mm-hmm. uh, Benedict Matherin. 
right? Cam Thomas. <laughs> Cam Just Thomas. On one team and let them that sounds great, the actually. That would I... be entertaining. Come on, I ain't gonna lie. Yes. <laughs> okay. What what about this idea? The All Star Game winner earns Finals home court advantage. Do you think that would make the game more interesting? It would make the game more interesting, but I've seen a few NBA correspondents recommend it, and I think it's stupid. I think it's irrational. And when baseball did it, I thought baseball was idiotic to even implement that. Should uh, always be like... to the best record team. Yes. Thank you, Sammy. Yep. Yeah, I saw this one too. I'm, uh, I get why that's the knee-jerk reaction, like add something of value. But I, I agree with that too, with what Jay just saying. Like, it's just not a good idea. And then... Well, then you're going to have half the players who care and half who don't who are in like 30. Yeah, guys. exactly. I was going to say that I was like, well, anybody, if an all-star from the Detroit Pistons is there, you know, he's not going to try it at all. <laughs> or the so, Trailblazers. Yeah. Sorry, June. I know that's your number one team after <laughs> Ouch, before man. the Warriors and the uh, Sacramento Kings. <laughs> they're, Light they're the beam. Moving. Lately, they're moving down the rankings, dude. The more I watch Scoot Henderson, okay. it's, it's getting worse and worse. Um, okay. So... Is, is there anything that you guys, like, do you guys have any ideas on how to fix the All-Star game? Or is it just praying and hoping that that the future stars actually want to compete against each other? I think that's just the problem is that, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, like, they actually wanted to beat one another. Yeah, that's <sighs> part of it. Um... Well, let me ask you something. And I know that there was some regular season value, but this is not rhetorical. What made the in-season tournament so successful? Because by all accounts, everyone said it was very much a success. The environment was cool. And you could tell the players were, were really trying. What was it that made that event go off so well? Was it that it was your own team, the the site? Like what, what did it for that? Legitimately, I'm, I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are. I mean, I think there's a number of things. One, I think it was the inaugural being okay. the first time that the tournament was being featured. So, and we'll see, maybe maybe not, right? If the second year, next year, if the, if the competition is still strong, then that, you know, mm-hmm. then that's really not the case. I also think that the cash incentive, not from a superstar perspective, but when you have other players on your team, the, the 15th, 14th, 13th guy on the bench who's not point. making that much money mm. and they play hard, it kind of, it's contagious, right? You, okay. you're, you're a superstar, start playing hard. They want to win for them. You have the band turn the locker room. You have, and that's what I think it, it is. Like the all-star game, there's nothing at stake in terms of, because the, all of these all-stars, they're making boatloads of money, right? So True. it's going to be more difficult to provide them that incentive when they already have as much as they can earn, right? I mean, like, yeah, they want to make more money, but how much more is $500,000 to LeBron James? Not much. True. That's a good point. I, I did read to play a very, very light devil's advocate because this game does need to be fixed. I did read one thing I found interesting, which is back when it was the Kobe days and the game we all felt was more competitive, most of the players got there on Thursday or Friday. They did one or two events. They played the game on Sunday and they left. So the competitive juice was still flowing, right? I was looking at the schedule for what the All-Stars have to do now, and they're getting in on like Wednesday, they're doing three to four events a day, and they're they're being stretched pretty thin, actually, in terms of like obligations, mm. so that by the time you get to Sunday, 
you've actually been there for a while, and while you're not playing and exerting your body in that way, you're still doing a lot of NBA obligations, and you're a little bit tapped out. And I, it wasn't one of the players that said this, it was some of the media members, I can't remember who did, so I wish I could give credit. It's like, okay, I can actually see that. I can see, or if you're a player and you've been doing all this media stuff and all these events for three, four days, by the time you get to Sunday, you're like, I'm just ready to go. Like, why am I gonna play defense? And why am I gonna, you know, I haven't been practicing, I haven't been doing whatever these last like four or five days. So in that regard, I can see it. So like, what does that mean? Do you, do you cut the, the weekend back maybe by a day or cut the media obligations a little bit, but there's money on the line. So we know the league might not do that, but that was one thing I saw. So I'm just trying to, again, throw things at the wall. Yeah. Um, to it. The one idea that I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to flirt it with um, and bring an attention to you guys is having teams of six or teams of six and then you play a, like a King's Court. Hmm. But I like that idea. But if we're going to, you want to obviously cure the disease and just not like put a bandage over the wound. And what it all comes down to is either pride or money. Mm. And the way that I see this, the one complaint about the contracts for each superstar, which we're supposedly all these all-stars are, they're superstars or all-stars in their own right, is um, all NBA, right? That could affect how much you could, could get paid. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that Adam Silver, if he really wants to really milk All-Star Weekend and the participation All-Star Weekend, maybe there's some verbiage that they need to have. Like, hey, if you make the all, if you want to make all NBA, you have to be one, be selected to be part of the All-Star game, and you have to meet these metrics with the given time provided. So each person that's selected to be an All-Star, they all have to share the, the same amount of minutes played. We'll just say... 22 minutes each, 23 minutes each. And if you're a guy that's, you know, known as his defense, or if you're a center, you're going to be measured off rebounds, defensive stops. If you're a guy like, for example, Steph, that could be three-point efficiency, assist. So all the metrics are related to your all-NBA stats, and they could go into your bonus. So if you have zero... Zero for zero for zero for zero. Say zero across the board for stats, and they go to your all NBA um, verbiage for your contract. You don't get as high as a contract that you should. That stat line is also known as the Luka Doncic All Star Special because he puts <laughs> no effort into the game. Oh man. Okay. Do you, th- I, do you think they need to do this? like a like a hard switch up? Do you think they need to do like a big three format? Yeah, that's they what had... I was thinking. Like, what do you guys think about like a yeah, like one on one or a two on two tournament? Yeah, or three on three. I like three on three. I could see that. I I think I like the concept of one on one, John. But I have a feeling the players would have a hard pushback toward that because of the effort, frankly. Because mm-hmm. you can't yeah. hide playing one on one. Though I suppose you could just throw up jumpers all day. Um, and put the rising stars in there. 
Yeah, I see. Put some the youth one in other there. thing I read about that I thought might be interesting was maybe taking the winning team from the Rising Stars game and putting them against one of the sets of All Stars because those guys are going to play, especially if there's a financial oh, incentive. Oh, interesting. I forgot about that one, but I saw that because if you're offering the Rising Stars like you each get 500k for winning, it's very different than like John said of offering it to the All Stars. But maybe because mm. they're playing so hard, you kind of jumpstart all-stars so that's another idea but the fact that we're at this point trying to figure out how to make the players compete it's it's a sad day man like yeah. 211 to 186 are you kidding me how do we reach these kids <laughs> so i'm gonna take us yeah. to our next topic here I am Carmel carmelo anthony had something pretty interesting to say he made an appearance on the why with dwayne wade and he said that before that trade in 2011, the Nuggets originally had a deal set up to send Carmelo Anthony to the Los Angeles Lakers. He said this, the deal was done with the Lakers. Me and Nene from Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum. That deal was done. I never thought about New York. Now it's like, y'all don't want me the West, Anthony said. Gonna send me to the East, get me to New York. Okay. What do you guys think about Carmelo Anthony's kind of bomb about 2011? Okay. Cap. <laughs> do you think it's cap? I I think it's cap. <laughs> I I don't I don't know if I believe this. A lot of players love to say this kind of stuff. I don't I mean like Okay, is that trade viable? The... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, he's going to trade He's running on the trade machine. I just don't like that doesn't seem like a fair deal for the Nuggets, right? At all. Am I the only one who's who thinks that? Well, 2011, where what version of Bynum is 2011? Is that the is he already hurt all the time? Like is the knee starting to go or is this one he well, was already in an all-star? Well, yeah, I mean like he was pretty integral in the 2010. Like the thing is with Bynum, right, being the fourth best player after Kobe, Powell, and Odom, like arguably the fourth best. I mean, you could say like Fisher or somebody else like that, but he was, all he had to do was just focus on defense and rebounding and kind of like those, you know, being that guy. Um, so he was an integral part of the team, but yeah, like 2011, when they lost to the Mavericks, I believe, I think they lost what? They got swept, right? If I remember, if my memory serves me correctly. I think, so. I think it was like after that, do you remember he flagrant fouled, uh, who was his name? Barrera, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. JJ Barea, JJ Barea, yeah, yeah, yeah close yeah. land him, he yeah. close land him, <laughs> yeah, 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 I think the that key, might have been man. the downfall. So, but it I, I would imagine it was, it was before that. <laughs> I don't know if it was the off season that Mel was talking about or if it was like mid season. So, but yeah, I think after the close line, Sammy, that's when all, it all went downhill for Mr. Andrew Bynum. Gotcha, yeah, and I'm actually reading up right now. He had his first knee surgery the year before that, but he was still solid. But once he had the second or third surgery, he was he was done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, Melo was in his prime. Yeah, yeah. So the only yeah. thing I, I look at with the Lakers after that trade, and obviously I'm not deep diving their rosters, I wonder if they have enough size after that because you are trading two of your bigs. Mm-hmm. in that deal um, but I agree with you that that feels lopsided you wonder if there would have been draft compensation or if this was something that Melo did on NBA Live 2004 we'll never know <laughs> um, so who knows what? man it's it's an interesting what if 
But what would that team win rings? What's that Kobe, like? Kobe, Pow, and Melo. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a pretty damn potent team, and that was the Olympic Melo season. Melo. Yeah. What I, I would ask is, would those guys be able to defer enough to each other so that you get the best of both players? True. Right. That, yeah. that would be my question about putting that together. Because the thing with Bynum and with Odom is they both didn't need to necessarily be top options. Right. So you yeah. fit around a player like Kobe a little yeah. better in that scenario. That, that was the main criticism of Melo, which was uh, during his heyday with New York and um, Denver that he never ran the system, even though there were there was talent around him. Um if I'm gonna comment about what Melo said to join Wade, I just think this is this is him just being bitter and trying to save face uh, to his Denver fans, like saying, "Oh, I never asked to be traded to New York." Uh-huh. Don't lie, man. Just like John said, it's cap. We know that you're you're feeling bitter just because Jokic is the savior of Denver, and he brought a ring to the city by being an unselfish player. And uh, I know that you guys have labeled me as a mellow hater, and I'm I'm here to basically say, yes, you're right. <laughs> and George Carl reminds us constantly that Jokic is the best 15 in Denver history. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Which is hysterical. Oh, and you know, I I don't think he's lying. Um, so our last topic here, we have to talk about this. Basically, during the All Star weekend, there was a theme. Like there was a question, basically, who would be the the new face of the NBA when LeBron and Steph retire? And LeBron James said this. He said, when I came into the league, I didn't look at myself as the face of anything. I didn't look at myself as the next Michael Jordan or the successor to Michael. When I came into the league, the first thing I thought was about, I have to start over now. And... We have a few picks here, and I want you guys to tell me whether or not you agree with these picks or or what your picks are. I'm going to start with LeBron James because I was just talking about him. And his picks are Shy Gilgis Alexander and Anthony Edwards. JJ Barea randomly has a pick, um, and it's Jason Tatum. Stephen A. Smith has Ja Morant. Where is Ja? And Steph Curry has Luca and Edwards and Shai. So, first of all, do any of those answers kind of surprise you guys? Also, what is your pick? Okay, let me start off. Please. And I'm going super negative, Nancy. <laughs> but, uh, guys, um, Remember the dark age once Jordan retired? There were those years of basketball where we weren't fulfilled as fans. I don't know if that was just me, Sammy, or Jun, because John, I know you had some help from your Lakers, but I think a little post, you know, 99 to 01 or 98 to 99 post Jordan retirement, those were the dark ages of basketball. That's when the game was more iso ball too, more than anything. Mm-hmm. I feel that this is where we're heading to. And not that 
I'm a hater of Luca because I think Luca's mad talented. But uh, I think one of you even said this: the the way that Luca plays is like James Harden, and it's not ideal to watch as a fan. MVP. He said he's definitely the both of those dudes are MVP no, no, no. players, right? But yeah, John's MVP. Yeah, um, exactly. but the respect Tatum, two way player, respect John Morant, off court issues, and in the beginning of the year season, I said shy, like I wanted, like he's my MVP pick. At man, I respect, but as the face of the NBA, if these are our candidates, we are in trouble. And that's my take. Well, you also have to consider what is the face of the league. And I don't think it's just on court. You also need someone who has a flair for the spectacular, yep. is willing to speak constantly in the media and not necessarily as like an attention grabber sort of way, but just kind of commands the room a little bit or has a personality that the media likes because they're more likely to be painted in a positive light, right? So those factors come in too. I think Tatum is a little too modest is almost the wrong word, but he's a little too deferential to to be the face of the league in that way. Jaws off court problems are well documented. They're they're not gonna feature him. I think purely on court, I think Shea's a good choice, but I don't know if you guys have noticed, there's never any interviews with him, never any features. And I read in uh, an article ironically or or heard like a on the low post they were talking about that like OKC guards him, and he likes it that way. So I don't think he wants to be the face of the league. If he put it out there, I think he could be. Anthony Edwards could be. I'll give you a claw, or a, let's call it a dark horse pick that I would love to see, but I think the market is not going to allow it. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Tyrese Halliburton featured a lot more. His game is fun to watch. Players like playing with him. He can put up 30 at any time. And he seems like a goofball in a way where everyone likes him. Like, I actually think if he played in New York, in LA, in Golden State, that he would be part of this conversation. But he's not going to get featured because he's in Indiana unless he leads them all the way to the finals. So overall, I can see what you're talking about, Jay. I do think that the talent overall in the league is a lot better post-Kobe or post-Jordan. So that helps. But it's going to be interesting to see which of these guys can take the mantle because the, the other answer here would be Jokic but Jokic doesn't want it you could tell he wants to go home in the offseason ride his horses and just party in Serbia like he does not want to be featured <laughs> in all this stuff either so that's why I think we have to consider the off court and the media presence as much as what actually takes place on the court itself character I mean like this may be a bad analogy, but I, I consider it to be like the WWF, WWE. And if you watch that, you know that you don't always have to be the best wrestler. That your character, that the way that you command the room, the way that you can speak on the mic, the things that you can do outside of the actual sport. I will call it a sport. Yes, I know it's not really real. But if you can do the things outside of that and excel in those other things other than wrestle, you will be at the top of your game. John Cena comes to mind, right? And that I look at that as an NBA and the NBA to be one of the premier caliber, the go-to person for your industry, for your sport, you have to have that character. You have to have that edge. You have to be able to have a little bit of controversy, to be honest. I mean, like, look at the past. A lot of the guys that we've talked about as some of the greats, they have controversy behind them, right? They have things that we talk about to say, 
oh, I remember when he did this, remember when he did that. Like, Jordan had a gambling problem. Kobe obviously had some legal troubles. Like, there are, th- and I'm not saying that that's a good quality to have. LeBron James is like probably the only one with a clean bill of record here, but he's also considered arguably the greatest player of all time. So he he make he more than makes up for it. So to me, it's you have to have the intangibles. You have to have the full package. So on this list, like I hate saying this, but honestly, if John Morant didn't do the stupid thing about the gun, I, he would be my pick. I agree like, with he, you. John. I agree. You know what I, I mean? Agree. Like yeah, he would sure. be the guy because he has that demeanor he has that attitude he's like a d does not give a f um but he crossed the line so to me the next best guy is anthony edwards and i think he just needs to develop more into that character right kind of that villain arc um and maybe just the market itself maybe he needs to get out of minnesota so he can actually you know take over that entire role and just be the face of the nba so that's my pick but um you know we'll see we'll see like if Ant Edwards was actually the character he played in that movie with um was shooting the Adam Sandler movie? That yeah, that yeah. Adam Sandler movie, if he was actually like that, I would completely <laughs> agree with you. You know, because he played that role to a T, man. Um what you were saying about like Michael Jordan being gone and stuff like that, I almost think we're gonna like end up in some sort of like weird dead zone like we did like after Michael Jordan passed, or oh, not passed, no. sorry, retired, where it's going to be a lot of players who are larger than life that are going to be the face of the league. Like when Jordan retired, it was who? It was David Robinson. It was Hakeem Olajuwon. It was Shaquille O'Neal. A lot of these taller players. Now we're seeing in the league, we've got like Chet Holmgren, right? We have Victor Wembenyama. We have Joel Embiid, who was doing really well Nikola Jokic, who is doing well. We have a lot of these larger-than-life characters right now, and I can't really name one shooting guard or forward where I'm like, man, I really see this guy dominating for a long time. So for me, man, maybe Wemby, but I'm not confident on this yet because it's his first year, right? But he's the dude that does have, like, all the highlight stuff, creates a lot of attention, a lot of buzz. He's freakish. He's the first we've seen of his kind so far. Anyway, with that said, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you all. She knows she loved Jay because... John, thanks for being on, man. Hey, thank you. Always a pleasure. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Always good to be here, man. Thank you. Sammy takes it all the way. And of course, shout out to our video producer, RJ. RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rose Zapanta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. There is no bathroom.